Hi, and welcome to Better Than New, the podcast to help you find a cool used car, truck, or SUV at a price you'll love. I'm your host, Gary Crenshaw, and today I want to tell you about an early 90s car that I like to think of as the ultimate escape pod. It was a sport coupe from an emerging Japanese luxury brand, and it featured silky smooth V8 power and a uniquely designed exterior that set the bar so high when it launched that magazine car editors fell in love with it, along with the buying public. And this car dominated the luxury sport coupe category for years, just like its sibling did in the luxury sedan category. So what is this award-winning two-door coupe with exterior styling that broke the mold back when it was new? Well, I'll tell you all about it in just a moment, and why you might want to have one today for a weekend getaway machine or even a daily driver. Yes, it's that good. So hop in, buckle up, and let's go for a drive. Today, Lexus is a well-respected automotive luxury brand. But back in 1989, its parent company, Toyota, shook up the U.S. automotive landscape with the introduction of the all-new Lexus luxury brand and their first-ever U.S. vehicle, the 1990 Lexus LS400 sedan. So why was that car and that moment so special? Because in one single iteration, Lexus announced to the world with a deafening roar that it could not only compete but it could outright beat the European car makers at their own luxury sedan game. The all-new LS400 was attractive, comfortable, balanced, smooth, refined, and powerful. Instead of being equipped with a high-revving six-cylinder engine, typical of early luxury brand competitors like Acura, the Lexus LS400 instead featured V8 power, with Toyota's own 4-liter dual-overhead cam 32-valve V8 that made 250 horsepower and had a top speed of 150 miles per hour. While not so impressive today, those performance numbers back in the late 80s and early 90s were typically reserved for luxury sedans from the likes of car makers such as Mercedes-Benz. So the LS400 was kind of a big deal. And that V8 performance capability, combined with all its other attributes, made the LS400 a revelation coming from a Japanese car company. And when you consider that Nissan's outstanding 300ZX sports car and Mazda's new-from-the-ground-up Miata Roadster were introduced to American buyers that same year, it became clear that the Japanese auto invasion of the U.S. market that had begun many years earlier was now complete. That said, the excellent LS400 should have been a tough act to follow. But the sport coupe that Lexus would launch as the follow-up to the LS400 sedan would be so unique and so unexpectedly good that it was clear proof that Toyota wanted its new Lexus luxury brand to be number one in the U.S. And that Lexus sport coupe in question, which is also the focus of today's Better Than New episode, is the 1992-2000 through 2000 Lexus SC400. Now, to create a first-ever Lexus coupe that would be a worthy encore to their outstanding LS400 sedan, Toyota could have done what many manufacturers did at the time. After winning road test accolades, magazine car awards, and the battle for sales supremacy, they could have simply altered the design of their successful sedan after the A-pillars by making the front doors longer, 
removing the rear doors, shortening the wheelbase, adding a slightly raked and swoopy rear end, and then simply tell the world it's an LS400 coupe and call it a day. Hey, I mean, the Europeans have been following that same formula for years, so why not, right? But Toyota went in an entirely different direction and used the team at Calti, Toyota's research and design center in California, to design the new coupe from scratch. Now, to create a forward-looking coupe design for the 90s and beyond, Calti designers worked with rounded organic shapes made from plaster-filled balloons that were later digitally stretched to form the outline of the new Lexus SC400 coupe. I mean, that's kind of a strange way to do it, but that's what they did, and it seemed to work. And the result was a curvy, seductive exterior design that was distinctive and uniquely 90s when new. And that styling has withstood the test of time as well, and is still considered by many to be attractive today. I mean, I think it looks great, especially compared to the overstyled sharp creases, angles, and origami-like folded edges that modern car designers just seem to be fixated on these days. I mean, new cars are kind of, I don't know, ugly? <laughs> you know, whatever. I don't love them. Now, I don't mind some hard edges, I don't mind some angles, but come on, a few more curves? I'm not going to kill anybody, right? It's just a pencil and your time. Come on. Anyway, the exterior styling of the SC400 still looks great today. Now, moving on to the interior, the inside of the SC400 Coupe was more restrained and featured the sort of layout and materials you might expect of a luxury coupe from that era. Not groundbreaking, like the exterior, just things like supple leather seats and fine wood trim in a simple flowing layout that was traditionally elegant and stylish. It was an inviting and calm environment where an SC400 driver could do the work of making good time on the interstate or a winding back road without breaking a sweat. That said, the SC400 Coupe delivered on its sport luxury promise by offering a quiet, serene setting for long-spirited drives to the mountains or the coast with a more composed and connected-to-the-road feel compared to the LS400 sedan. Now, as I mentioned earlier, the SC400 Coupe got the same silky 4-liter V8 with 250 horsepower and 260 pound-feet of torque as the LS400 sedan along with a similar four-speed automatic. However, the coupe's transmission did have a couple of tweaks that the LS400 sedan didn't, including a lower first gear and lower overall gearing for better acceleration. And that effort paid off, with the SC400 coupe being able to reach 60 miles per hour in just under 7 seconds. I mean, magazine test of the day recorded times between, say, 6.7 and 6.9 seconds. So it's right in the high 6-second range, which was about a second and a half quicker to 60 miles per hour compared to the 250-pound heavier LS400 sedan. Now, over the course of the SC400 coupe's 9-year run, engine performance continued to improve. In 1996, the 4-liter V8 got bumped up 10 horsepower to 260 horsepower with 270 pound-feet of torque. And in 1998, the 4-liter V8 engine received VVTI, which is Toyota's version of variable valve timing. And the result was an increase in power to 290 horsepower and 300 pound-feet of torque. Another welcome change in 1998 was the upgrade to a 5-speed automatic transmission that replaced the earlier 4-speed automatic. 
and the horsepower increase combined with the five-speed transmission dropped zero to 60 times into the low six-second range, and the quarter mile could be covered in the mid to high 14-second range, which was a nice improvement in acceleration that you could feel compared to the earlier SC400 coupes. Now, unfortunately, for drivers who like to shift themselves, there was no manual transmission option for the V8-powered SC400. But you could buy the SC400 six-cylinder sibling, the SC300 coupe, which came with a five-speed manual from 1992 to 1997. Now, the SC300 coupe with its three-liter inline six-cylinder made 225 horsepower and 210 pound-feet of torque and had acceleration times that were similar to the early 250-horsepower SC400 models. But with only a few thousand SC300s made with a manual transmission, they're really hard to find, so our focus today is on the SC400 V8 coupe with the automatic. So what about handling and braking? Well, both the LS400 sedan and the SC400 Coupe were rear-wheel drive and offered excellent driving dynamics. But as a two-door coupe with lighter weight and lower gearing, the SC400 could certainly out-accelerate the LS400 sedan and would likely outrun it on a twisty back road. However, potential buyers should keep in mind that the SC400 is not a sports car built to set fast lap times at the racetrack. Braking and handling is solid and reassuring up to, oh, about eight-tenths. But beyond that, you might wish for stickier tires, a little more shock damping, and more aggressive stopping power. But that said, braking and handling is still very good for this luxury GT. I mean, it's a grand touring sport coupe that can be driven quickly and confidently for hours on end as it whisks you to your destination in quiet, luxurious comfort. It's a melding of sport and luxury. That's what the SC400 is. Okay, so the SC400 was an excellent road car and an outstanding vehicle when new. But is it still reliable today? Well, in a single word, absolutely. But there are always some caveats because it's a used car that's at least 23 years old or older. But let's start with the positive stuff. First, in the early 90s, Lexus wanted to win it all. They wanted to win Automotive Magazine Awards, the J.D. Power Reliability Awards, Customer Acquisitions. I mean, you name it. Lexus wanted to win it. And to do that, Lexus set their sights on being the best. So they put extra effort into making the LS400 and the SC400 the most outstanding examples in their class with build quality to match. That means you're already starting with a car from a brand that wanted to build the best cars, period. Second, these were expensive cars when new, and the type of buyers who could afford them could also afford to pay for regular factory maintenance and have that work done at their Lexus dealer. Those types of owners also tended to keep service records. So for the next owner, there's likely physical proof in the form of paper receipts that shows the car has been well-maintained. And third, because these were such great cars to drive and own and tended to be very reliable over time, Owners kept them a long time, and there are still many examples that have only one or two owners. In a recent online search, I found several nice examples of the SC400 that were original owner cars, and after 25 or 30 years of caring for their baby, these owners are finally, and in some cases quite reluctantly, selling their beloved SC400 coupe to buy something new. Now, it's always nice to have a new car if you can afford it, but... I think many of those original owners selling their SC400s will later regret that choice. 
But if you end up buying a one or two owner example, you certainly won't regret it. Now on the downside, the age of these cars alone works to undermine their reliability to some degree, so that's something to consider. Also, you might want to avoid examples with multiple owners. I'm talking about cars around their 5th, 6th, 7th owner or more. That can happen over 30 years of ownership. And expensive luxury cars require maintenance like any car. But by the time an SC400 works its way down the food chain to being owned by some broke college student, it's probably not being cared for in the manner that it should be. Now, deferred maintenance is common on multi-owner examples. So to deal with that, you simply avoid buying those cars. Now, I'm not saying a multi-owner car can't be a good car. I'm just saying the odds of that are going to drop with each additional owner. So caveat emptor, let the buyer beware. Okay, so if you're in the market for an SC400 Coupe, what should you look for? Well, these cars were produced, again, over a nine-year run, 1992 through 2000, and all years of the SC400 Coupe would make an excellent second or third car or even an excellent daily driver. I would focus on condition above everything else, and secondarily, I'd focus on things like the number of owners. So you want a one or two owner car if you can find one. Now that said, if you want more power, again, in 1996, they got a small bump, 10 horsepower, and the 1998 through 2000 cars had the variable valve typing, so they had the most horsepower with 290, and they had the five-speed transmission, one more gear than the early four-speed. So they accelerate a little bit quicker, and if that's the thing that really turns you on, then that's what you should look for. They're also the newest cars, so that helps as well. Now beyond that, you want to look at sort of the standard stuff for any used car. Again, minimal owners. You want to look for a car that's got as low miles as possible. You want a car that's been well-serviced and has records to prove it. You want to avoid cars that have been exposed to rust. That doesn't mean you couldn't find a good car in the Northeast or in the rust belt of the country. There's certainly good ones out there that weren't driven in wintertime, but you definitely want to have it checked out first. Now, some of the more common things, some of the common issues that come up on these cars... Inside, you're going to want to watch for things like broken plastic parts. Now, remember, these cars are 25, 30 years old, right? And over time, plastic tends to get brittle. So things like dash vents will crack or maybe that hideaway cup holder. It's kind of a funky thing that pops out of the dash. Those things tend to break and people don't fix them. So look out for that sort of thing. Also, over time, the LCD display on the dash can fail. So you want to look for that. In summer climates, watch out for dry, cracked leather seating surfaces, especially on the tan seats. I don't know why the tan seats tend to kind of crack and get dry and brittle more so than the other ones. They also came in gray and they came in black. Uh, Maybe people who have gray and black take better care of them. I don't know what it is, but you'll want to watch for that. Also, things like window regulators fail more often than you might like, so check to make sure those work as well. And this is part of any sort of used car check. You want to make sure all of the things in the car work, right? Switches, levers, windows go up and down, sunroof opens and closes, all that sort of thing. Now, outside, cars that are exposed to excessive sun can experience lifting clear coat paint. But again, that's kind of a time and exposure thing. These cars are, are, again, 30 years old, 25 years old. So just look for that. Check that out. And on the mechanical side of things, you're going to want to check your suspension parts, 
Uh, the control arms and the ball joints can wear out. Again, this is going to be on the higher mileage examples. And these cars can also have some other major things like the power steering pump can leak and fail. And cracks can develop in the cooling system plastic components over time. So, again, these are just sort of common things that happen to a lot of cars given time and use and mileage. All that said, a full pre-purchase inspection should be carried out on any SC400 you intend to buy. But in spite of the noted problems we just talked about, these are relatively trouble-free cars compared to just about anything else out there from that era. And assuming they've had proper care and maintenance, they should be in good shape. Oh, and finally, I would say look for a car that's had major maintenance. So these cars have a timing belt. And if the timing belt and water pump has been changed, if there's been a timing belt service recently or other major services like, you know, it's got new brakes or maybe an alternator's been replaced or it's got new tires, something like that, that's great because then you don't have to do that. Now, I'm not a big fan of people changing the tires before me because I find that a lot of people just scrimp on tires. They put junk tires on good cars. I don't understand that because your tire patches, those four tire contact patches, are the only place where your car touches the road. So if you put crummy tires on a nice car, guess what? It doesn't handle as well. You've negated all the other good stuff you've done. So, yeah, I'd pass on the tires. I don't really care if somebody puts tires on a car, unless they put the tires on that I would buy. And that's not common. So... Something to think about. But any major maintenance that's been done before you purchase it, again, like a timing belt or brakes, that's a great thing. So cross your fingers. Look for those cars. Now, assuming you've made it to this point, you're probably thinking, what am I going to pay for one of these cars? What am I going to pay for an SC400? Well, that's a good question. And prices, if you look at the internet, they're kind of all over the place. You can find thirty, $35,000 SC400s. But don't buy one. <laughs> That's way too much money. Are you a collector? No, you're just buying a car that you can drive and enjoy, right? And if it goes up in value over time, that's a great thing. But, you know, unless you're buying a car that's got 2,000 miles, it was never driven, uh, you know, maybe then you might want to pay thirty or 40000 for it. But that's a collector car. You're not going to drive it. It's going to sit in your collection, right? That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about cars that you can get in and drive and enjoy. And enjoy the way that Lexus intended you to enjoy that car when it was new. Okay? So let's start at the bottom. Um, you might find some interesting examples in the $5,000 to $8,000 range. But I would say that that's at the low end of the range that you might want to pay for a vehicle that's in decent shape that you could drive and be proud of. And it's really not where I would expect to find a solid combination of quality versus price. But I'm not saying you can't find a good car in that price range. It's just much tougher, okay? Now, moving up to $8,000 to $12,000, I consider that really the sweet spot. I would expect to find good values in that range and the sort of cars that I would want to keep and drive for several years to be at maybe the top of the range, more closer to ten dollars to $12,000, all right? I would even pay a little bit more, but again, 8000 to 12000 that's kind of the sweet spot that I would try to find a car in, and I would take my time. Moving up from that, 12000 to, say, 15000 that's where you're going to find SC400s that are some of the best one- or two-owner examples with well under 100,000 miles, maybe 70,000 or 80,000 miles, maybe less. There'll be things like major services completed, they'll have good tires, maybe new tires, 
good brakes, maybe brand new, all of that shiny paint, and overall they're just going to be excellent vehicles. And typically, I'm talking about prices from a private party. You might pay more for a car like that from a dealership, but I wouldn't pay a lot more. And let's say you get into the range that's fifteen to 18000 That's where you're going to find really great cars, but you're paying a lot. And, you know, you pay much more than that, and you're really kind of wasting your money. For example, there is a one-owner 1999 model near me. It's at a dealership, actually. It's got 55,000 miles and an asking price through the dealership of $16,995, so $17,000. Uh, a week ago, two weeks ago, it was $17,995. So I think they've kind of overpriced it a little bit. Part of that might be due to the color. It's the gold color with the tan interior. My wife likes to refer to this as AARP gold. <laughs> you know, it's the gold color for old people. Yeah, it's not my favorite color, but that wouldn't actually hold me back. It's really a nice car, and it's a 1999. It's the 290 horsepower, 300 pound-feet of torque, five-speed automatic, and the car looked to be in great shape. 17000 Hmm, not bad. I prefer to pay more like maybe fourteen or fifteen for that car, maybe less from a private party. But again, like I said earlier, that $8,000 to $12,000 range, that's the sweet spot. That's where I would look. Try to find something in that range, and I think you'll be really happy because these are fantastic cars. I would love to own one. It's actually on my short list of cars to own in the next year or two. So, uh, you know, if there's a good one out there, hopefully I beat you to it. So with the combination of unique styling, luxurious refinement, and V8 enhanced performance that the Lexus SC400 Coupe offered when new, it truly was the ultimate escape pod. It was a luxury sport touring car that could whisk its driver and passengers effortlessly across town, across the nearest mountain range, or even across the country in comfort and style. And today, it still may be the ultimate escape pod. Now, it's certainly not as fast as quicker, more powerful modern sport coupes and sedans, or even many contemporary SUVs for that matter. However, the SC400 offers something that new cars can't. The opportunity to truly escape from modern distractions like phone calls, texts, and emails. Just open the door, climb in, and turn off your cell phone. There's no touch screen, no voice alerts, no distractions in an SC400 coupe. There's just you, your favorite passenger, a fine car, and a long open road that stretches to the horizon. And if that's the sort of distraction-free driving experience you're looking for in a classic sport coupe that's reliable enough to serve as your daily driver, then the 1992 through 2000 Lexus SC400 Coupe just might be your ultimate escape pod. And with that, thanks for listening to this episode of Better Than New. And if you like what you heard, please subscribe and follow this podcast so I can keep bringing you reviews of cool used cars, trucks, and SUVs each week at a price you'll love. I'll be back next week to tell you about a fun-to-drive small wagon that makes an excellent first car for a young driver or a great second car if you need one of those. So be sure to catch that episode. And make sure you check out past episodes as well, as the used cars I've covered won't change. They're still great, whether we talked about them last week or last year. So give some of those older episodes a listen if you have time. And until next time, I'm Gary Crenshaw, this is Better Than New, and I'm really glad you came along for the ride.